Hey you. Yes, you. Thanks for tuning in to the Healthy, Wild, and Free podcast. My name is David Benjamin. I'm your host and the founder of HealthyWildAndFree.com. If you're like me, you understand that health, the mind-body-spirit-heart connection, and living a green, eco-friendly, sustainable lifestyle are some of the most valuable and life-enhancing lessons that we can learn and pass on to our children to live happy and abundant lives. That's why this podcast was created, to help you grow in these areas. If you aren't already subscribed to the newsletter, go to HealthyWildAndFree.com, click the box at the top right-hand corner to get a free copy of our latest ebook, and you will be subscribed to be notified about future podcasts. Thanks for subscribing and tuning in. Enjoy. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This is David Benjamin from HealthyWildAndFree.com. Uh, today I'm really excited to bring you this podcast because I have a guest who's actually a personal friend of mine, and uh, I'm going to read his bio to you in a second here, but um, basically uh, he's been a friend of mine for uh, maybe about, what do, you, what do you think, four years now or so? Three or four years. Four three, years. Yeah, so three or four years, so I've known, and we've, we've become really good friends over that time because we see a lot of things very similarly in, in regards to health and all that kind of stuff, so um, he's actually here with me in person, that's why you heard him, obviously, and uh yeah, so it's going to be a fun podcast. We're going to talk about uh, the growing tide and health awareness and how, uh, what positive things are actually occurring within health and what, what's going on and, and like, uh, just to see the positive side of things and to kind of know what's going on. But then we're also going to talk about the media live because he comes from a journalistic background. So he's going to share with us uh, how he saw things differently and how to kind of see through media BS, if you will, and uh, really just empower yourself to make better decisions for your health for your family, for, you know, the world as a whole. So um, his name is Nick Meyer. He's a longtime journalist who's worked for the Detroit Free Press and then published in the Dallas Morning News and Yahoo and more. His work has been cited by Dr. uh, Joseph Mercola, naturalnews.com, the Cornucopia Institute, and he is the founder of the website althealthworks.com, and that's A-L-T, healthworks.com, meaning Alt Health Alternative Health Works. And it does. So, um, it really does. <laughs> so uh, in May 2012, uh, his uh, spotlight on holistic and environmental and alternative health solutions began with the website as kind of a blog, and he does interviews with people doing really inspiring, positive things in health, and he talks a lot about uh, food, kind of integrity, food freedom, uh, GMOs, um, what's going on with that, and uh, just, just the positive things going on. So, Nick, thank you for being here on the podcast with us. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, David, and I'm excited to uh, just kind of uh, shoot the breeze with you today. It's going to be fun. Touch on some topics that that really need to get out there in the world, and and yeah, I'm just ready to go. And then not many people are talking about, too. (laughs) No. Because you talk about a lot of unique stuff, and I think that's partially why, uh, if if any of you listeners have seen healthworks.com, like I said, his work was cited by Mercola, Natural News, and Cornucopia Institute. And these are no small websites. These are some of the biggest websites in holistic health. Um, oh, yeah, and one more thing I wanted to share was that he personally interviewed Ron Paul in person, which I think is absolutely awesome. Like, everyone, well, a lot of people I know want to meet Ron Paul, and it's just really cool because he's kind of one of the only politicians on the forefront of, you know, food freedom. Freedom, yeah. Yeah, freedom overall. But, freedom in general. Right, exactly. So, um, so I want to start this interview kind of like how I start all the interviews and just ask you, uh, what's your story, and how did you kind of get into holistic health originally, and why has it kind of become a passion and interest of yours? Okay, so the funny thing about me is that I used to work in a pharmacy, actually Rite Aid Pharmacy, up here in Michigan, and uh, 
you know, pharmacies are typically seen as a place uh, place of health, right? Right. Well, for most of <laughs> According to the mainstream perspective, pharmacies are where you get healthy. Right. Uh, it's kind of assumed. Right. Pharmacies are where you get healthy, but that's not the case at all, especially not in my experience. Yeah. Um, I noticed that pretty much all of the patients that we had um, as a cashier starting out, walking back to the pharmacy, mm-hmm. they uh, they were kind of out of it. They were kind of like zoned out, if you will. Zoned out, almost zombie-like, basically, right. in the way they were acting. And like it just seemed like none of them ever really got any better. Mm-hmm. And I talked to them on a day-to-day basis, and I saw them walking back to get their prescriptions. I'm like, aren't these people supposed to be getting healthier? Or <laughs> What's going on here? Wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. So that was not what was happening at all. And uh, from that point on, it kind of made me more inquisitive, and I, I kind of have that journalism, journalist mentality, and I just started to, uh, to kind of work that into my, to my, to my practices, to my, to my research. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's when I found, uh, found out more about holistic health, and I just couldn't stop learning about it. But did, you, did you go to uh, journalist? Were you, did you go to uh, University of Michigan, Dearborn, for journalism before that or after that? Um, that was actually, it kind of coincided with, they kind of okay. coincided with each other. Gotcha. So you just kind of had that journalistic, inquisitive mindset during that time, which probably helped. Definitely. Gotcha. Cool. And, uh, it was actually, um, while I was kind of bored as a cashier at Rite Aid, mm-hmm. I was looking at tabloid magazines because there's not many customers. And I, I stumbled upon a quote from a celebrity um, some celebrity woman, like real, you know, popular actress or something like that. And she right. talked about the book, The Hundred Year Lie by Randall Fitzgerald mm-hmm. and how that affected her perspective so much. Mm-hmm. And the book is basically about all the chemicals that we expose ourselves to on a day-to-day basis. Like it kind of sets the scene, like, you know, you wake up, you put on deodorant with, uh, with certain chemicals that have been linked to breast cancer, mm-hmm. uh, you put on cosmetics that have been linked to skin cancer. Um, what else? You uh, you wash your hair with shampoo, and that's linked to cancer too. Right. And so it kind of got me thinking. You know, what's really going on here? Why are people Why are people so sick? Why are all these diseases, the rates of disease, in- increasing so much? You know, it's mm-hmm. like we have this war on cancer that we're spending billions of dollars on, mm-hmm. and the problems seem to get worse year after year. The rates keep going up. So mm-hmm. that was a book that had a pretty big influence on me. And um, that was one of the kind of first health books that you read that was kind of like, whoa, this is interesting. Definitely. Gotcha. Is that is that all the book is about? Is kind of environmental, uh, well, chemicals and stuff, or is it also about? Uh, they also touch on GMOs and high fructose corn syrup. Gotcha. And all that stuff, like all the, all the negative stuff that is really important to avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, that's all in there too. Hmm. And then from that book, I moved on to Food Inc. like a lot of people did. Hmm. And it's just kind of a progression where you just go from, from one step to the next and you just keep going deeper and deeper into the rabbit hole, quote unquote. Right. Matrix style. Exactly. Wait, that's the pill. Never mind. (laughs) Wrong analogy. Rewind. (laughs) Rewind it. (laughs) Um, yeah. So interesting. So it kind of, it kind of exposed you. And that's funny how you kind of had that, you know, observation from working in the pharmacy and then looking at what a celebrity said. So, huh, something is probably different here. And it's kind of funny, too. Cause there's I, a better way. Yeah, there's a better way. And it's kind of funny, too, because a lot of celebrities I've noticed, 
over the years are being more conscious and sharing, voicing their opinions. Like Woody Harrelson, for example. Um, you, you and I both know Woody Harrelson's awesome. He's all into health and starting an eco-friendly paper company. Like he's just, you know, he's just really cool. Um, and then uh, there's other ones too, but you know, so it's kind of interesting. And if you look at the the celebrities who are really like, you know, voicing their opinions, and not the ones just kind of fabricating their image. So like the real, the, the ones that are being real and authentic, you start to learn things and you know, see things differently. Um, so so after that kind of experience, um, you you became a journalist. Uh, what what happened? How did that kind of change your perspective on things? And how did you like learn from that? And, and how did that kind of progress? Well, I started out at my first true journalism job after college was at the Detroit Free Press, which is the biggest paper in Michigan. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was working on an entertainment website to start out. And I actually, my career focus was actually in sports. And so I started out with those two things and eventually I made my way down to the news desk, um, the breaking news desk in Detroit, which, you know, you've got a lot of fires, you've got a lot of shootings and murders and calling the cops and trying to talk to the Detroit cops and they don't answer you back. Right. And so you kind of, I don't know, I kind of, I kind of was right in the fire of things and just seeing how understaffed the newsroom is and seeing like people getting let go left and right and, mm-hmm. Um, kind of realizing that, you know, not as much research and fact-checking is done as people might think in the media. Right. right. Um, we take everything the media says as gospel and truth. Mm-hmm. And I came to realize that, you know, these so-called alternative media sources, they might be a little more slanted toward one perspective, but essentially you're getting the same news. Mm-hmm. You're getting the same thing, the same... Same amount of fact-checking, mm-hmm. same amount of research, just in a different package, basically. Right. So it's just, a, it's just two different kind of perceptions on the same story, if you will. Is that kind of what you're saying? Um, yeah, there's different per- perceptions a lot of times, mm-hmm. but I'm basically... But you're saying it's not any more credible. Is that, what, is that kind of what you're saying? It all... Yeah, I mean... There is a certain amount of credibility that comes with a major newspaper. Right. But at the same time, there's a certain amount of bias that comes with that newspaper. Right. Like, they might be sponsored by, you know, the food giants, your Kraft Foods, your, your right. GMO pushers, you know? <laughs> GMO pushers. <laughs> the, same, the same people that are spending millions of dollars to stop GMO labeling in Washington and California. Mm-hmm. These tend to be the big sponsors of the big media organizations, especially TV. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not quite as bad with the newspaper, but the newspaper has other priorities. Mm-hmm. They report on crime. They report on um, civic things like digging and trying to find things and with like city council, city government, things like that. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, sports is a big focus. And so, I mean, health doesn't really factor in a whole right. lot when you talk about local newspapers, even national newspapers. Mm-hmm. They use a lot of syndicated health content, and it just mm-hmm. comes from like one or two sources. And right. that that is probably sponsored by the American Dietitian Association, which is sponsored by Frito Lay's and, Pep- and Pepsi and all that. So it's just a crazy cycle. The AMA, the FDA, the <laughs> one of the alphabet organizations that have three letters. 
NSA. Right. <laughs> NSA is not sponsoring your uh, your children's lunch at school, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we're kidding. Maybe. We don't know. It could be true. It may or may not be true. Look it up yourself. <laughs> they, are, they are finding parents who refuse to include grains and meat. Uh, oh, yeah. In a balanced lunch, quote-unquote. Quote-unquote, yeah. If, uh, for those of you wondering where we're talking about, in Canada. About, yeah, for those of you wondering where we're talking about, if you go to facebook.com forward slash alternative health works, which is Nick's page, he posted a graphic of someone who was, well, they're actually fined, weren't they? It was a mother that was for, fined for not having a complete lunch. Because they didn't, quote, yeah, because she didn't include uh, a, a grain, I think is what it was. A grain. <laughs> and then they added Ritz crackers. They wrote it in, Ritz crackers. So that kid got his dose of GMOs, and I know, I know, I know we're kind of being lighthearted and laughing about this. We're laughing because it's ridiculous and we're aware of what's going on. Um, I think one thing that's really important for, the, for everyone listening is to understand that if you know what's going on and you're aware of things, you can laugh about it and create comedy about it and then use that as an avenue to spread it even further to help other people become aware. True. Because I think sometimes when you're like really trying to like push ideas on people out of like negativity and like, this is so wrong, people kind of get turned off. But comedy is a way to just send communication further. So it's kind of ridiculous and funny. If you look at it, you're like, really? Wow, like, that's ridiculous as a grown adult. So you look at your, Col- <laughs> your Colbert report, Colbert report and your, uh, your uh, Daily Show with Jon Stewart. And yeah. They're getting these topics out there through humor. Yeah, true. Exactly. They're opening people up. Yeah, good point. That's, yeah, that's a great point. So, it's, yeah, those are two examples. Uh, Jon Stewart talked about GMOs multiple times, hasn't yeah. he? So, yeah, so it's... Um, it's if you know what's going on, you can laugh about it and be aware of it and obviously not fall subject to, you know, victimhood, quote-unquote, and, uh, you know, you to kind of empower yourself. But, um, so, yeah, so when you were uh, working for the newspaper, you kind of realized that it wasn't really necessarily 100%, like you said, gospel or truth. It was just, you know, there basically the, they, they did fine work with, mm-hmm. with the time that they had, with the resources that they had. Right. They were genuine people. Right. But... When it comes to like health stories, like it's just like, oh, check out the wire. Here's a, here's a story that says you should eat a low-fat diet and eat, you know, low-fat yogurt, even though it's made from cattle that consume GMOs. Right. Um, and has sugar or added preservatives and sugar, high fructose corn syrup. Yeah. 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 Just kind of that, kind of that uh, macrocosm approach to health. That's what makes it into the newspapers, or at, at least was until this, this whole health movement started happening. Mm-hmm. And people were like, hey, you know, I stopped drinking milk and I feel fantastic. Mm-hmm. Why, is, why is the newspaper still saying, hey, drink, milk. drink your milk, like put this in your recipe, you know? <laughs> right. They're still, they're still wearing the milk mustaches on billboards and you're like, what's going on? Um, yeah, that's interesting. So, so you're saying kind of, and I, and, and I, I don't, this, this podcast isn't to bash the media in any way, because like you said, they're, you know, they're doing the best they can, kind of, and it's like they're good people. But at the same time, it's, it's not necessarily the most beneficial information, and it's not necessarily the most truthful or useful information. So it's like, you know, it's, and I think partially, too, is when you see the media, it's like they're kind of behind on that. So they're reporting on the, the, the studies that have come out years ago or have been believed to be true over time. And the most recent current information that's actually, you know, relevant isn't, you know, really talked about. So I don't know if you want to talk about that. Uh, but a lot of times, yeah. But uh, one thing I found over the years from watching the local news, you might see a study that says, you know, turmeric fights cancer and it's really strong against cancer. 
Mm-hmm. You might see that at the end of the broadcast for like like a two-minute segment. Right. And nobody really stops and like puts two and two together and says, hey, maybe we shouldn't be consuming turmeric all the time. Maybe we should take it easy on, on the chemo. Maybe we should go back to, to what we did before everybody was getting cancer and just kind of chill out a little bit on all these invasive multi-million dollar right. you know, health procedures and yeah. drugs and things like that. Shenaniganry. <laughs> Shenaniganry. I had to use that word once in the podcast. Shenaniganry, ladies and gentlemen. Um, yeah, so that, yeah, that's a good point. And uh, even if there's something kind of positive, it's, it's almost, it's like the it's a, it's a back. It's, it's, a it's, fleeting, not, it's a fleeting thought. Right. No one, no one actually is putting these, no one actually back then was putting, putting all these things together, mm-hmm. reminding people, um, putting it out there in the public consciousness so that it actually becomes something that everybody is aware of. Right. You know, because it's such, such an afterthought on the news broadcast or in the newspaper buried on page six or seven. Mm-hmm. Um, there was actually a story in the Detroit Free Press um, about a woman who founded a raw cafe in downtown Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, David and I have been there several times. It was called the Raw Cafe. Great spot. I just said. <laughs> True. And uh, it was across the street from a from a Mickey D's, from a McDonald's. And we would, you know, have our raw food in there and look across the street at the people eating McDonald's and we're like, man, they don't know what they're missing out on. <laughs> and anyway, the uh, founder of the cafe, her name was Lakita, I believe. And she was a cancer survivor um, just through diet, just through switching to a raw, organic uh, plant-based diet Mm -hmm. and you know basically it's a story of her reversing her own cancer you would think they would blow this up and put this on the front page of the newspaper because i mean we can we say can we say that she cured her cancer on this broadcast we'll we'll say we'll say she i like to use the word healed she she healed her cancer because healed it you know it's Cured, I don't know, people whatever about cured, but she definitely healed her cancer. I mean, she's yeah. alive. We both can't just talk to that. I mean, it's yeah. It's a fact. Right. She's, and, there's, and there's many people that have done this. So it's not, you know, completely crazy or, you know, it's, and she's a, a great example of that. And she took something that has helped her and created a restaurant to help many others. And unfortunately, her, her uh, restaurant went out of business, which was kind of unfortunate because tough spot to yeah. have a raw restaurant. Yeah, food desert that is downtown Detroit. Right. Yeah, and or Detroit in general. Right, and in Detroit, not many people are kind of into raw foods yet, as far as I know, at least. There's not no. much of. I mean, it's not Southern California, basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> um, but yeah, so okay, so yeah, that's uh, okay. So we talked a little about. So, so so what I'm basically what I was getting at there is if somebody like me, me or David, were the editor of the newspaper, or if there were more health awareness at the newspaper in general. Mm-hmm. The story of that woman reversing her cancer would be front page news, mm-hmm. and that would wake up so many people and make such a change like so fast. All right. So that's that's kind of what alternative media and social media is doing now, mm-hmm. in uh, in terms of alternative health. So. Right. And I I, I would say that um, that should be front page news. You know, like if if you look at the news right now, like you kind of said the per, not the percentage, but you were like. You know, they report on crime, uh, civic things, and then sports. It's kind of the big three, if you will. It's like, okay, crime, how is that really relevant to our lives? Negative, negative, fear-based energy, 
And then you have city city stuff would would be classified as I don't well, I'm not sure either. Well, crime is negative. City stuff is informative. Right. Yeah. And so then maybe sports. Sports is I, lo I love sports and it helped me as a journalist a lot, but it's a distraction. Right. Yeah, it's a distraction. <laughs> so yeah, it makes front page. You know, huge upset. Uh, you know. Uh, last second shot or whatever, and then meanwhile uh, the cancer curing or excuse me cancer healing story cancer doesn't, healing. <laughs> doesn't make the last page of the paper. So um, it's kind of interesting the, the the information that is put into the news and you know whether it's media broadcast through television or a newspaper. It's kind of like those three topic those three kind of categories. So we're kind of seeing the categories of that now. Whereas the work that you do with all health works is taking that story of someone that healed their cancer or the story of someone that is doing something amazing for health in their community or someone that's, you know, we'll talk about the greenhouse uh, and the hospital a little bit here in a little bit, yeah. um, and just doing something amazing. And, and you're taking that, those positive stories, those positive models that people are creating for health for themselves or their communities, and then you're, you're helping that reach a lot more people, which is awesome, which is one reason why I go to healthworks.com more now than I do to nationalnews.com. Because I know that there's going to be more positive stories, and I know I can get inspired and get better ideas to do positive things, as opposed to no no disrespect to natural news, but I, I love Mike Mike Adams. If you're listening, we love <laughs> I just feel like it's a lot of visit your ranch and have some Boku superfood with you. And <laughs> I just I just like the positive approach. So uh, let's talk about that a little bit. How um, the work that you do now is focused on. Let's just we'll talk about the, some of the interviews that you do and how you kind of find that information, yeah. and what are people doing that's positive that you like, and let's talk, I want to definitely touch on the, the greenhouse uh, and the hospital, which I think is awesome, the quinoa grower, and then um, maybe whatever else you, know, you want to talk about. So what are those stories, and, and how you know, how do you find them, and what's so cool about them? Well, the organic greenhouse is something I think I found through the local news, um, just kind of keeping an eye on local news, I just... Um, I don't do it a whole lot anymore because because of how negative it is. But mm -hmm. um, I do have a tendency to just just kind of whenever I see like a detail like like that, I kind of kind of investigate it, kind of question it, kind of act on it. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of a journalist's instinct to uncover right. uh, stories where other people might not see a story. Right. Um, so yeah, I was like I saw that there was a million dollar donation to create a greenhouse at a uh, hospital outside of Detroit in kind of a more well-off area, actually. Mm -hmm. And I was like, that's interesting, you know. Um, I remember being in the hospital and they feed you uh, jello. They feed you green jello <laughs> because it's cheap. And I mean, I guess I guess patients have a hard time chewing or something like that, right. so you can kind of understand it. But, but still, at the same time, all the other options are... You know, where the the hospital's cafeteria food is still not healthy in one regard. They should bring juicers and Nutribullets in there and start green green yeah, smoothies. Yeah. And, That's you know. kind of what they do at this hospital. It's the Henry right. Ford Hospital outside of Detroit, West Bloomfield. Okay. And this is basically the first organic greenhouse in the United States. And Very I had cool. a chance to I had a chance to tour it and talk to the head gardener and sample like I had a couple smoothies from from the organic produce you know they've got like 23 different kinds of tomatoes growing indoors wow. hydroponically wow I didn't, that's crazy um they've got like 10 types of kale they've got microgreens they've got all this healing food 
Right. And it's like, why do other hospitals not do this? They have all the money in the world. They have right. millions and millions and billions of dollars. Right. And they're building these gigantic calluses to, to a failed system of medicine that is not serving the people. It's serving, serving corporate interests that are protecting right. their dollars. Right. Why can't you take a million of that money and put it into an organic greenhouse? There's no excuse. I agree. And that's really not that much money to them, as crazy as it sounds. A million dollars to one hospital is like, it's like a small investment. It's like, it's like one shipment of green jello and, and <laughs> right, right. sure drinks for all the patients. All, <laughs> one shipment. all the GMO drinks that they buy. One shipment of green jello and GMO. Yeah, so I, it's, it's cool, though, that they're doing that. So they actually, I didn't, I didn't, so they actually serve their, the hospital patients what, salads and smoothies and juices and stuff, or what? How does that work? The food goes to the cafe that people, people can okay. buy in the cafe, the organic food. Okay. Um, so they don't, they don't necessarily do a whole lot of prescribing right. of, of uh, what types of, uh, what types of you know, plant-based healing everybody should right. do, but, but they do recommend it to people, and they do say, hey, you know, check this out in the cafe, right. go, get, go get a salad, whatever. Yeah, and it's a better, it's a step in the right direction. Like, it's, they're, they're going to have the ability to heal faster and better and, and healthier in a more sustainable way with those, you know, vegetable and fruit options, like the, the plant-based foods, not, you know, junk, jello, GMOs, and stuff like that. <laughs> it's just a much better option than when you're healing and recovering, that's what you're saying. And then also, uh, for the listeners, uh, I highly recommend checking this interview out. It's on allhealthworks.com. If you go to allhealthworks.com and you just search, like, greenhouse in the top right, just type in greenhouse and hit enter, the interview will show up. And what's cool about it is uh, it's actually really, it's really kind of artistic, too, isn't it? Like, it's really... Um, it's, yeah, it's pretty beautiful, for sure. There's, I mean, there's a lot of green. It's, it's, it's really... It's really nice because in a hospital environment, it's not really conducive to healing when it yeah. smells like... It's sterile. Yeah. It's white walls. It's, yeah. It's like, oh, here's the radiation ward. Don't walk near the radiation ward. Keep walking. Go, go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's not... It's, it's, it's cool, too, that they have that kind of environment, which is more of a healing environment. Yeah. Um, there's a dime. The, the patients were actually instinctively drawn to it. Oh, really? According to the gardener. Right? Really? There were people like staring out the window, just like looking at the greenhouse, like wishing they could go down. Right. And kind of like finally getting the chance to go down and meet the gardener and saying, wow, like I really wanted, you know, I really wanted to, I just felt like I was drawn to this place right. that I needed to heal. Yeah. You know? And what's cool about that too is that's, I'm glad you brought that up because I think people are kind of instinctively drawn to nature because, you know, yeah. trees and plants and it's beautiful. It's art. It's literally art. So we are kind of like instinctively drawn to that. And I saw a documentary on, I think it was, I want to say it was National Geographic, um, and they talked, it was about healing, it was like an hour-long documentary, and they actually had two people in a hospital, and one of them, their window was facing a brick wall, and then the other person's window was facing like nature, oh, yeah. mountains and trees. Yeah, and the, the, uh, the patient whose window was facing nature, they healed like double as fast as the people who, or as, as the other person who was facing a brick wall, so... I think that uh, Nick Meyer is sniffing essential oils right now, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Peppermint. Peppermint. Get Peppermint. Going. Peppermint on deck. I sniffed cinnamon before this interview. Don't worry, it's real cinnamon. It's not, this is not a drug reference or anything. It's actual. It's good for your mind. Um, <laughs> um, but no, so what's cool about that was the, uh, they heal faster when they see nature. 
So it's like for to have that greenhouse in there, even if they're not eating that healthier food, just having that visual kind of stimuli helps them heal faster. Yeah. And I think that's a great model, the, the, this hospital, that other hospitals could adopt and could uh, make, create a bit more positive environment, more positive feeling environment for hospitals all around the country and world, really. And so if we put that out there on pages like, like Healthy, Wild, and Free and Health, Health Works, then you've got people putting these ideas in their minds and they, they realize that they can work toward making this difference themselves and just increasing that awareness and just getting these ideas out there. And that's how you make a change. Right. Yeah. It's not necessarily always about, oh my God, there's so many GMOs out there. What are we going to do? You know, like feeling sorry for yourself, feeling like, oh, organic is too expensive. And, and you know, Obama appointed this guy to the food czar. <laughs> yeah. And there, there wasn't a food czar before this all happened. And what am I going to do? And my kids are eating poison. And, right. You know, it's about what can we do to build to build something on top of the old, on top of the old model to make it obsolete. Right. That's yeah. I like that. What can we, what can we do to build something on top of the old model to make it obsolete? That's perfect because the old model is what is currently. It's the, it's sort of the foundation. It's what we're all within. We're all within this kind of foundation, and uh, that's why I like the work that you do and the work that people, I think both like both of us kind of do, is we're helping to bring these ideas and more so you. You find these stories and you know, you know. You get them out there. I'm, I don't do as much of that, but you definitely have the ability to kind of bring that journalistic skill to that and then help it reach more people. Um, so like I said, listeners, uh, check out that interview on healthworks.com about uh, the organic greenhouse. And um, what, what other, I mean, that, and I'm glad you said that too, because I think a lot of people are focused on the negative, you know, yeah, the problems, GMOs this, GMOs that, uh, chemicals here, chemicals there, chemicals everywhere. Like, we should make a song, like a parody, GMO's here, GMO's there, GMO's there. Like, there, it's, you, I think we're, we all come to a place in our lives where we're, like, inundated by negativity, literally. Like, when you start to become aware of the food system, uh, even stuff, you know, within the government, corruption, you know, uh, environmental pollution, all this kind of stuff, you start to kind of be overwhelmed by negativity if you choose yep. to kind of focus on that. It's kind of natural. Yeah, it is natural, that way. Right, yeah, and we all, I think we all kind of come to that at one point. But then once you start finding things like a greenhouse that's just awesome and they're doing amazing things or, you know, other stories that you report on, you start to see, like, okay, there's also positive things going on. And I think that's part of the issue is the media in, current, in its current state reports mainly on the negative. 95% of the news is negative. So we're not hearing these positive stories. We don't know the positive things going on that are actually really happening out there. They're just not being shared because these people are busy doing these positive things, they're not going out and spreading it online yeah. through social media and blogging. Like they, don't have, they don't have a PR industry working on their Right, website. exactly. So there's a lot of things going on out there, and I think you, you kind of are the PR industry for the, for the holistic health space. Like it's, you, you bring a lot of that to, to, to forefront, you know, and thousands of people see your work. Like one piece of content, tens of thousands of people see it, and it impacts a lot of people, and it's really positive because who knows who could read that or who they could share it with. And then before you know it, maybe some hospital in Alabama or Texas or Georgia yeah. or California, as someone that works there is like, hey, let's do this. Let's start small. Let's create a little garden. Let's just plant a few plants. You know, it's like it's all it's all like a snowball effect. Instead of raising money for cancer research that eventually will go back into their advertising budget or go to the 
to, for more cancer research. <laughs> for more cancer research, quote unquote. For more pink ribbons and pink t-shirts. I, uh, yeah, the Susan G. Komen thing, like, I'm sure you have your thoughts on Susan right. G. But yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. I don't know her personally. Right, but I don't know her personally, but the whole, yeah, obviously, organization is not, you know. But uh, can you imagine if we took the billions that we raised for cancer research that have been shown in a lot of cases to go, the majority of it goes to advertising to raise more funds? Right. What if we raised that money and built 50 organic, organic greenhouses at hospitals? Right, one of these states. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, there's, it's, I, and this is something I, it's funny you bring that up too because I just made this video on YouTube yesterday about, um, I titled it, are we spending money to drain our health? Like are, like, are we really spending money to drain our health? And I think at one point in both your life and my life, it was like, okay, well, you know, there's, if you're spending money on junk food or uh, anything that's like draining you, like pulling energy from you, yeah. your health, your happiness. Or your time. Or your time, yeah. It's not building you up and it's not empowering you to be more positive and reach more people with a positive message that you know is going to help more people. So it's about investing in yourself. I look at myself as an investment. I look at people in the health field as an investment. I want to invest in myself and I want to invest in them so they can reach more people with their positive message. Yeah. Um, so that's something that I think is really important to like, because on, on an individual level, yeah, we're not going to change the pink ribbon thing overnight, but on an individual level, we don't have to support pink ribbon. We don't have to support cancer research and quote-unquote awareness. Everyone knows about cancer. Why do we need to become more aware of it? No, it's ridiculous. <laughs> shenaniganry. I call it shenaniganry. Um, so what, if, we can, if we can be aware of that, we don't need to support companies that put the pink ribbon on their things that are pink washing. Buy a bucket of fried chicken, cure cancer. <laughs> and get cancer in the process. Uh, or faster, whatever. Um, so, but th that's the thing, is taking up that individual responsibility and knowing like, look, if I spend more money on improving my health and telling more people about it, I'm making a positive impact. And that's, you know, something that both me and you do. Um, I want to tie back into your story a little bit because we didn't kind of fully, um, uh, kind of, kind of go through that. But within your story, you know, when you were uh, working at the pharmacy and then you became a journalist for the Detroit Free Press and then you became a journalist for the Ever American News. Can you talk about that a little bit and how that even changed your perception on journalism and media even to another mm -hmm. level? Yeah, so the Arab American News is the largest newspaper, largest Arab newspaper in the country, and it's located in Dearborn, Michigan, which is home to about 40,000 or 45,000 people of Arab descent. Mm -hmm. um, when I first walked into that newspaper, I was kind of like cautious, kind of nervous, um, scared of how people would react. Um, you know, you see the negative portrayals of Arabs and Muslims in the media. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was just like, I needed a job badly at that point because um, I was at the free press part-time and I needed another part-time source of income. Right. And so, you know, I just went with it. I just saw how it would go. And eventually I warmed up and I, I made probably more friends in the Arab community in Dearborn than I, than I did like in my previous like five years or so of my life. Mm -hmm. And just... Yeah, so the Arab community, I just found out they're basically a lot like us, and, you know, all, all the stories of, like, sleeper cells and Dearborn and terrorists among us and all that stuff, I turned, it, it, it turned out to be a lot of hype, a lot of, a lot of fear-mongering, mm -hmm. so. And work, while working for that paper, what, 
I mean, you're, you're reporting on news from the Middle East and news from different areas of the world that are also reported by uh, large news organizations like Fox News, CNN, you know, yep. et cetera. Um, so you're, but you also, can you talk a little about how, you know, not, the stories that you were giving from people who have families in the Middle East were different and how that kind of maybe even created a conscious awareness on the media at another level. Um, can you talk about that a bit? Basically, I learned a lot about the, the strength of talking points in PR and how certain sides have talking points in PR on their side and other sides don't. So the pro-war people, the pro-colonizing people, basically throughout history, whether it's, you know, um, throughout history, there, there's been, you know, history is written by the conqueror, basically. That makes sense, that type of mentality. That definitely makes sense. You know, they change the history books. Like, we all, we all know that there's a lot of lies in the American history books. Right. And Native Americans, everyone knows that, well, not everyone, but a lot of people are becoming aware of the whole Native American story and how it's not. Obviously, there's a lot of slaughters, but it, it goes even further and deeper. So that's, history's written by the conquerors. I'm going to remember that. It's a great, I like that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like quote. <laughs> well, it's, I've never heard it before, so it is interesting. And it, actually, it makes sense. Um, yeah. So, yeah, sorry, I continue. I just thought it was interesting. So, uh, yeah, basically, I just, I saw things, things overseas in a different light. I saw, I saw documentaries about civilian suffering in Iraq, in Palestine, places like that. And that's the stuff you don't get on the news. Um, I remember watching Desert Storm with my dad and seeing the big light shows, seeing the fireworks of the, the bombs and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And we were just like, yeah, like, go America. Like, this, this is what we should be doing. When you were younger, obviously. Yeah, when, before, we, were, when right? we were younger. Yeah. When, I was, when I was younger. Right, right. And you, they don't show civilian suffering and they don't, you know, they don't show the true side of what's really happening. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, they have, you know, the media narrative is all about confining that, you know, scope of discussion into one box. You know, it's like, should we invade, should we invade Syria? Should we, should we, you know, should we do this? Should we do that? And they don't talk about, like, the civilian suffering. There's just so much that's left out of the narrative and so much that independent journalists can find um, on any topic, not just war, not just right things like that. So Right. The talking points is interesting, too, because when you see, when if you look on TV and like, should we invade this country, and it's like, yes, and then they have their little, you know, like, good, you know, yes, we should invade, and here's why, and then no, and here's, like, it's basically like a two, it's a two-choice-based decision. <laughs> it's very simple. It's not... The humanity is stripped out of it. It's very, like, it's like a corporate decision. It's like, you know, should our country take our arm? Yeah, it's not, I, it's, it's really interesting that you should. And actually, the Vietnam War, like, the big thing, one, one of the big things that started the anti, you know, the pro-peace mm-hmm. Vietnam War movement, mm-hmm. pro-peace in Vietnam, was a picture, I believe it was called Napalm Girl or something to that effect. Um... It was of a girl, like a village girl, basically. She had just been bombed by napalm. Mm-hmm. And she was on fire. And some, a photographer happened to capture that moment. Mm-hmm. And it was just the most heart-wrenching, like, gruesome thing ever. And that picture was shown in the media to many, many 
thousands, if not millions of people, and that kind of sparked the pro-peace movement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we don't have that in today's media mm -hmm. anymore. Just all the humanity is stripped out, and it's just like stripped down to, to talking points and if mm -hmm. resources and power and what's quote-unquote important to America, America at large, oil, etc. True. Yeah. So. And who controls the talking points? The, whoever controls the media, whoever has the money, right? Whoever stands to profit from that. So whether it's health, whether it's mm -hmm. the military-industrial complex, you know, it's all connected. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So good point. But let's let's talk about something more upbeat. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, but yeah, what's, what's, the reason I want to talk about that a bit is because uh, you know your your experience in journalism. You have experience with the kind of bigger journalistic, uh, you know, Detroit Free Press, Dallas, uh, Yahoo. Like you, you have experience with the larger media organizations, but then you have experience with a more local cultural organization, media organization. Yeah. Um, so you have like a, a a very interesting range that not a lot of people have, which I think is valuable because you see a lot more than other people yeah. in media. That's why, that's why I'm getting ahead of myself right now. I feel like I have a lot of a lot of perspective to share. Mm -hmm. There's so much I want to share and like. I get ahead of myself, so just need to slow down. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes I do that too. Oh, yeah. Um, so basically, so okay, so so through all this, you know, the working at the pharmacy, working in the newspaper, all this kind of mm -hmm. stuff, with your journalistic, inquisitive mind, you you saw things from a new perspective. Um, you know, this isn't working in medicine. This isn't working in in health. You know, it just doesn't make sense. So this kind of led on your path. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how? your health has progressed over the years and how your decisions have changed and what, how your kind of careers were attached to that and what that kind of evolved into? Yeah, so I basically, every step where I learned something new, I applied it to my life. So I started out with the chemical thing. You know, after reading uh, The Hundred Year Lie, I started uh, to get, my, my main focus was to get the chemicals out of my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was still like fresh out of college, not the healthiest person, um, still like my pizza, still like my soda pop. Mm -hmm. And the first change I made was just, all right, no more diet soda pop, no more high fructose corn syrup. I'm going to have pure cane sugar soda. Hmm. And that, I don't know how much that affected my health, but that was kind of like a gateway into to trying other things. Right. And then I was like, okay, now I'm going to see what happens when I actually eat some organic vegetables, you know. Mm -hmm. And I always hated vegetables. I always hated carrots, for example. But the first time I tried an organic carrot, I was like, man, this, this tastes like a carrot is supposed to taste. Right. It's different. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm like, I can work with this. I can, I can start spending $20 every 10 days, get my organic carrots, get my organic spinach, get my organic apples. And maybe like one, like some organic chips, something like that. Right. Non-GMO chips. Right. Just start small. Mm -hmm. And doing that, ever since I started doing that, I just found that I wanted more and more. And I just wanted to, to see how much better I could feel on a day-to-day -day basis and just wanted to, to keep going. So it just kind of got me going in that direction and I just haven't stopped since. Mm -hmm. And even uh, when, you, when you were a journalist, you, there was a lot... Obviously, those jobs are stressful and, 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 you know, very difficult to report on all this negative news and stuff. Um, during that time, you had some kind of 
your health was kind of not as positive as it could be. So that kind of led you, that kind of led you to, uh, you know, basically changing your career path into something that uh, is more driven towards health. And now uh, he works with, Nick works with health companies and has his own health website, healthworks.com, and does work within the health field and kind of journalism around health and that kind of thing. Um, But I like what you said too, and this is something just to touch on real quick. Spending $20 is what you said every 10 days? $20 $20 every 10 days. So okay. That's kind of my, my my $20 challenge that I came up with. Right. Yeah, and I've, I've, for me. And, he's, and I've heard him say that before uh, to, to other people that mutual friends kind of, uh, to get started living a healthier lifestyle, to spend 20 bucks every 10 days, which is basically 2 bucks a day, 60 bucks a month. Just start spending 60 bucks a month or 20 bucks each time you go shopping, whatever it may be, yeah. on, you know, organic foods and then just kind of take that, that uh, positive step. Um, so yeah, that, that's cool. That's funny too. You started going, you went from regular soda to uh, uh, cane sugar. Cane sugar soda. <laughs> I mean, it's a step in the right direction. I mean, yeah. every little thing is, you know, the thing I like about that is every little choice you make and form those new positive habits over time, it cumulatively impacts you more positively over time. So it's, you know, the yeah. long-term uh, kind of decision thing. Um, so is there anything that, uh, would, do you want to share any other stories that, that are kind of cool recently that you've reported on on HealthWorks uh, and health journalism, uh, maybe the, the quinoa or the any, anything really? Yeah, so I'm not sure if your listeners are aware or not, but quinoa has actually grown in the United States on some test plots. And test plots sounds kind of negative, like kind of like linked to GMOs, like, oh, there's the latest... Uh, human rice test plot and, you know, rice with human genes right. test plot in Kansas. Like, right. Oh, oh um, and just to clarify, because I have had a little bit of farming, quote-unquote, experience with, and work before, a te- for everyone listening, a test plot is simply just an area of land where they're trying a new crop. That's all yeah. it is. It's yeah. as simple as that. So it doesn't mean it's GMO, and a lot of times people think of, you know, whatever, test plot may be scientifically, genetically altered, whatever. It doesn't mean it is. So, sorry, I just want to clarify so to get back to the whole negative positive uh, pendulum, I noticed there's a lot of there's a lot like whenever I post about quinoa or coconuts or things like that that are health foods that are becoming more popular, people are people tend to get a negative. It, it kind of drifts toward the negative sometimes. People are like, you know, well, quinoa is hurt. You know, the quinoa boom in America is hurting. The farmer, indigenous farmer, so right. much. I've heard that too. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm pretty sensitive to that stuff. You know, like I realized that that could be a problem. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I mean, it's like, why not? Why not find a solution? Why not try and grow it in America, which there are people doing. Mm-hmm. And most people just don't know about it. Most people don't know that you can grow quinoa in a climate similar to the Pacific Northwest. Mm. Can you talk about who you interviewed and, and a little bit about his story and the different types of quinoa and stuff? Yeah, it was so a... He's, he's real quick, too. He's one of, isn't he one of the first people that actually is growing quinoa in America, too, or no? Uh, quinoa does have, a, it does have a history of being grown in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, Colorado, there was a university in Colorado that was big on growing it until they kind of realized that it would hurt the indigen, indigenous uh, South American farmers a lot, so they kind of put the kibosh on 
Is that a right, the right term? The kibosh? We'll, <laughs> we'll make it work. Yeah, yeah. They kind, of, they kind of put a halt to that whole program because they didn't want to cut into the profits of the indigenous quinoa growers. But at the, same, um, at the same time, I hear they're being mistreated, so it's like you don't really know. And I think the more local, the better, kind of. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's, I'll leave it up to interpretation of listeners. They can view it how they want. It's, there's positives and negatives. There. But there, there definitely is a need for more quinoa supplies and coconut mm-hmm. supplies. And it's all about the ethics of how it's grown. Right. And just diversifying that supply chain. You know, it's not... It's not all black and white. It's not like all quinoa has to come from the Andes Mountains and from poor farmers, you know, mm-hmm. that are exploited. It's there's always another way. Right. That's kind of what my site is all about. There's there's always another way. Mm-hmm. Like whether it's, whether it's your personal health or whether it's health like just health within the community or yeah. health projects or just positive things like the greenhouse and the hospital and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, there's there's an interview about. Uh, the, and the, the guy in, where is he, Oregon? Oregon. Oregon, yeah. Um, he's, isn't he growing a few different types of quinoa, too? Or not, or not? Yeah, they have, like, a really nice-looking red variety, purple variety, orange. Okay. Yeah. Just so you can grow different great varieties. stuff. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Um, are there any other stories that you thought are kind of, like, inspiring and, and, and interesting that you just want to, like, kind of uh, share with people that they could go look up on your site? Ah. Uh, Good question. Didn't come 100% prepared for that question, but well, if there's any that uh, come to mind, if not, it's no big deal. Any that you know you think, like for example, the greenhouse, I think it's really cool because it's it's new, it's relevant, it's positive, and it's good for the community in that area. Same with the quinoa, you have that local, organic, you know, food mm-hmm. source. Um, I know you've done a lot of stories. I don't know if there's something specific else that you think is kind of cool that you know. Uh, in terms of personal health solutions, there's a couple studies that I found that could be of a lot of use to people in the United States, I think. Um, the first one relates to root canal treatments. Mm-hmm. You know, a root canal for a lot of people is like like a prison, prison sentence or just something really terrible. Like right. They immediately start thinking about the pain of the root canal and um, how terrible it is. But, you know, I got to thinking, is there a natural way to to heal the root canal situation, like the, the bad bacteria and infection trapped trapped in the mouth. And apparently there's a Tibetan herbal blend that I found called Padma Basic. Mm-hmm. And it's been used for hundreds of years. And there was actually a study on Padma Basic that found that I want to say 82% of all people who took it were able to completely eliminate their need for a root canal. 82%. 82%. Just from one herbal blend. That's right. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow, that's surprising. That's cool. So root canals, if anyone listening has root canals or knows someone that has any root canals, go to allhealthworks.com and type in Pat and Basic to see that information. That's right. Because that's really cool. Um, the cool thing I like the cool thing I like about your site, well, first of all, besides, the name is uh, All Healthworks. So it's kind of like, you, you like you said, uh, there is another way, and your site yeah. is kind of about sharing with people the other ways to health and wellness, and uh, you know what we can do to change things, create positive change, and within health and 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 healing and nutrition and all this kind of stuff. Um, so can you kind of share? Uh, I know we talked about the greenhouse a little bit, uh, the the quinoa growing in America, 
and then obviously we talked about the media. Um, but is there, what other kind of types of interviews and types of people and types of information in regards to natural health or alternative health and other solutions do you share on the site just to give people kind of a picture of what the journalism health work that you do? Yeah, I, I talked to uh, Robert Henriksen, who's an author of uh, a bunch of books about spirulina, algae, mm -hmm. and just like how healthy it is and how it can be growing in people's backyards and how it can be used to insulate buildings and things like that. So it's kind of like an environmental thing, a personal health thing, and you know, it's just a lot of things in one. Right. It's just very, very, very green, very, you know, very true green. We're not talking about ethanol from GMO corn. Right. <laughs> Which is kind of ridiculous, but yeah, but we're talking about, you know, something that's been used by people for hundreds of years and just something that people forgot about. And this man, Robert Henriksen, he basically brought spirulina back to the forefront and put it in health food stores again and, you know, people started experiencing the benefits of spirulina again. Mm -hmm. And he basically took something that, that was completely forgotten, something that's ridiculously healthy for you, something that can really help a lot of people. Right. He took it, he rediscovered it, he repurposed it, and made a very, very successful company out of it, and mm -hmm. helping a lot of people. So Right. And it's good for the... That's what I, I love the solutions that are good for the environment and good for our health, because... One thing that I think is important for people to understand, and I think both you and I really understand this really well, is that uh, the environment is a the health of the environment or the balance of the environment within your local community or wherever you get your food, and combination of both really, is directly correlated to how healthy you can become, like your health potential. So if people are polluting in your community, if, if there's pollution, trash, you know, whatever it may be, Monsanto destroyed your town. <laughs> right, Monsanto, PVs, and Agent Orange. You know, like if, it, if 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 all this kind of stuff is happening in the environment, you know, it affects the soil where we grow up food. It affects the water which we drink. Yeah. It affects the air we breathe, and it affects everything within our environment, which affects our health. So um, that's what I like about solutions like that. And I think we're both really kind of on that same path and journey. It's finding solutions that help the environment, the health of you know the quote quote-unquote, health of the environment, but really just the balance and sustainability of it, which ultimately helps us, and then having those solutions be good for our health as well and understanding that. And for the listeners, uh, just real quick, just to kind of plug Nick's work, because I love what he's doing. It's all positive. It's awesome. Uh, once again, allhealthworks.com is his website. Uh, we're both aligned when it comes to Amazon Herbs, which is a, a herbal blend from the – well, it's, a herbal, uh, it's herbs from the Amazon rainforest that – support the ACR Foundation, which is the Amazon Center for Education and Environmental Research, which sustains the Amazon Rainforest and the tribes, indigenous uh, Peruvian tribes in the Amazon Rainforest. Um, so Nick wrote a book at uh, allhealthworks.com that you can actually get for free uh, just by subscribing to his newsletter, um, talking about Am the herbs from the Amazon Rainforest. So just basically telling you, like, here's the herbs and here's what they're beneficial for and, and that kind of thing. Um, so definitely check that out at allhealthworks.com. Um, so yeah, so that that's that's really cool. Uh, and, and, but with your site, I wanna I wanna give people like a big picture. Like you talk about health and all these different things. What different? Because it's all health work, so there's always another way. What different healing modalities uh, have you talked about on your site? Just have, I wanna give people like a list. Like obviously, 
nutrition is one, but like what else have you kind of covered? I know you've covered a lot, which is cool, good range. I talked to an author who's an expert on energy tapping. And energy tapping is um, kind of like releasing different energies that are stored physically, mentally, and emotionally within your body on the different like meridians of your body, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And so this man, his, his name is Dr. Fred Gallo. And he's been able to actually cure people of like lifelong traumas with just like a couple sessions, mm-hmm. just by priming them and getting them in the right mental state and you know giving them the right suggestions and then tapping on the right meridian points of right. their body mm-hmm. and kind of getting them to really believe that they're being healed. Mm-hmm. So that kind of goes back to the placebo effect, which is very well established in medicine. Like if you believe you're going to get healthy, you are going to get healthy. Right. That's kind of how it works. Mm-hmm. Definitely plays a huge role. Yeah. Definitely. So, so that's one of the techniques that I talked about. Um, I've talked a lot of times about a news report that I saw where a child had a really bad rash, and he tried all the all the drugs. He was in the hospital for like two months, or maybe not two months, he was in the hospital for a little while because the rash was so bad. Right. And one day, him and his mom went home and they just instinctively rubbed honey all over the rash. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he came back to the doctor right after that and the doctors were were dumbfounded, you know. Does the rash clear up or? Yeah, as to how he was able to clear the rash. Wow. Through honey. Just honey, yeah. Just honey. There's a lot of simple solutions out there. And that's what's cool about your site is you have so many simple solutions to kind of macro issues, you know, and, and in your own personal health, but then also in the community kind of and in, in, in the world at large, if you will, um, which is cool. So obviously EFT, emotional freedom technique, energy tapping is kind of similar. Yeah. Um, reporting on cool stories all around America and the world about uh, what people are doing. Um, I know recently you posted something about China rejecting a a GMO shipment. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of cool to see. Oh, it's not good enough for China, but it's good enough for us. Right. <laughs> but it's cool to see that because then it's like people see that and they're like, wow, you know. It's, it's cool to see how other countries respond and react to things too. Like, for example, there's foods that are banned in Europe like uh-huh. that are common here. Oh, like yeah. flame retardant drinks. Oh, and uh, different chemicals and things we add into food and bread and things. So their ba- their banned chemicals list is like many many thousands of things. And in the United States, it's like pretty low. Um, definitely a lot lower. A small. I, I want I want to say less less than a hundred or something really? like that. Yeah. But I'll have yeah. to check that. Yeah. Is it less than a hundred? It probably is. Cause yeah, I think I've seen something about that before, and it's just I've seen. The, the amount of fan things in other countries is probably probably like 10x oh, yeah. what it is in America. So yeah, it probably is like yeah, um, which is which is kind of interesting. Um, so I want to thank you and you know thank you for for uh, taking the time to do this interview because um, like I said, your work is really positive. Um, for all the listeners, can you? Well, actually, first I, I want to ask you one more question um, before we end the interview. Um, but then we'll share kind of where our listeners can find you, your website, your, your Facebook, and this kind of stuff. Um, so the question I want to ask you is, what are the two or three top kind of tactics or strategies or positive habits or tips that you would um, recommend to uh, any, anyone, any listeners, 
that would help them in, in their health, their happiness, their kind of the evolution and growth of their mind, body, and spirit to be a more positive person, to be healthier, and to make create a more positive impact on, on the world and just live a happier life. Yeah, um, now that you say the mind, body, spirit thing, I would say turn off the news and read. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just turn off the news and do more reading. Um, try to focus on positive things. If you feel like you have to to be plugged into what's going on in the world, like let's say there's you know the tsunami in the Philippines, to use a recent example, mm-hmm. check out the news, check out the headlines, see what's going on, but then do your best to disengage from that. Mm-hmm. You know, send money if you want to, um, do your part to to help people in that way whenever something really bad happens, but don't dwell on it. Don't sit there and watch CNN for four hours. And, right. And, you know, I mean, for me, it's like a natural response to feel to feel empathetic to what happened over there. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't necessarily need, as long as I know that it's happening, like to go back to the war thing, mm-hmm. like I didn't know that civilians were suffering in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Um, but when a tornado or a tsunami happens, I know that people are suffering. I know the need is there, so I instantly feel empathetic. Mm-hmm. I don't need to, to dwell on their pain right. to feel more empathetic. I'm, I'm moving on to a solution, right? and I'm turning off the news, and I'm reading about what I can do to help. You know? Right. That's a good so, tip, uh, to just not dwell on the negativity in the news. And for you, having worked in the news, obviously it was tough because it was like, it's stressful. So yeah. now that you're working on something that's more positive, it's solution-oriented, and, and that's why I love your site once again, because there's always something positive, cool, unique, interesting in regards to health, and it's like, that's really cool. I definitely have to, you know, check this out and share it with my health friends who are conscious about this concept, yeah. and that will inspire them. Um, I, so, appreciate, I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, and keep it up, man. Honestly, it's, the work you're doing is amazing, and um, uh, where can our listeners find So We were talking about the top three. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> to be yeah. honest, the thing about turning off the news just kind of came up. It wasn't on my initial list, but the rest of my list, the rest of my top three, uh, spend your $20 on organic produce every 10 days or set some other sort of uh, budget, whatever mm-hmm. you can afford, mm-hmm. and stick to that and just see how different you feel. Mm-hmm. So go ahead and do that. Um, the second thing that I'm kind of learning about right now that I that I kind of haven't been doing consistently enough, but I'm getting back into it, is just making time for yourself to to be in the moment and find something where you can really focus and really really you know be there, be present, be mindful. So for me, it's uh, it's been yoga. Mm-hmm. And meditation is great, too, if you can just kind of carve out your own meditation spot and just do that and just just set, make sure that you set, you know, set aside time and make it, make it a consistent thing. Right. Just make sure you schedule it, put it on your schedule and just do it with no excuses. Mm-hmm. Something where you can be mindful and something where you can be present. Um, mm-hmm. And then the third thing is... I was going to say to cut out, you know, problem foods such as dairy and gluten, which, which was big for me. Mm-hmm. But the, the way that I describe it is to, to make organic fruits and vegetables the foundation of your diet. Um, mm-hmm. To kind of flip that perspective, like 
so many people growing up think that the foundation of a diet has to be meat and bread and cheese. Mm-hmm. So I find that if you can just flip that on its head and just say, okay, the foundation of my diet is going to be fruits and vegetables and um, maybe maybe some, some gluten-free things like organic rice or quinoa mm-hmm. can also be part of that foundation. But the basic, the basic premise is make that the foundation of your diet and then if you cheat, don't feel too bad about it. Just right. go back to your foundation. Just right. build your house on that foundation and stick to it and just change your perspective, change your awareness, and everything flows from that. So Cool. Yeah. And having a, a good foundation and having that positive outlook is, is awesome. And those are amazing tips uh, and, and just uh, recommendations to live a healthier uh just happier, more fulfilled, prosperous, wilder, wilder, healthier, freer, alternative health works or lifestyle and life. Uh, all, so, all health works here. All health works here. Uh, yes. yes. So where, where can our listeners, uh, I, I really want them, and listeners, please, please hear me out on this. Uh, as far as the uniqueness of Nick's work when it comes to journalism, health reporting, there's literally nothing online, and I promise you because I know a lot of people that work within the health space, there's literally nothing online that is being reported on in a positive way, shining light on the unique health uh, movements and, and positive things occurring that uh, I've, I haven't seen anything like Nick's work. So where can our listeners find you? How can they stay connected with you in social media? And uh, where can they connect with you and follow your work? Yeah, just uh, check us out, Facebook, uh, facebook.com backslash alternative health works, or just type in alt health works, or uh, check us out on Twitter, check us out online at www.althealthworks.com. Um, yeah, those are the main three. Awesome, awesome. And uh, for all the listeners who are listening in their car or on their iPod at the gym, wherever you are, I will include his website and information within the show notes and within the blog post on healthywealthy.com as well. And make sure to grab a free copy of his book on the Amazon herbs at allthorks.com as well. And uh, just to wrap the show and end the show, if all of you listeners could do me a huge favor and leave a review on iTunes, if you go to iTunes and type in healthy, wild, and free, Nick has been gracious enough to leave a review on the podcast to help me reach more people. And uh, was positive. Very positive. <laughs> and uh, if you could do me a huge favor and leave a, a review, it doesn't even have to be a five-star review. It can be a four or three-star. I don't even care. I just want to hear your feedback. And the more reviews I get, it helps me create a higher-quality show, and it helps me to reach more people with the message of health, wellness, uh, fitness, spirituality, green living, all this kind of positive stuff. So if you could leave a review, I'd appreciate it. Share this podcast with those who you find, think would find it interesting. And I will see you in the next episode. If it's not before Thanksgiving, happy Thanksgiving. If it's after Thanksgiving, be grateful and enjoy the time with your family and friends. And we will see you in the next episode. Have a great rest of the day. Have a great day, folks.